0: Welcome to the Highly Objective podcast,
1: where we talk to cannabis industry executives and investors and go into the weeds on recent news. Today, we have Brett Heyman, who is the founder and creative director at Edie Parker and Edie Parker Flower. Um, So with that, Brett, um, thanks for your time. And and if you can just give us a a quick background of your experience and and how you got into starting Edie Parker, that'd be great.
0: Sure. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. So I founded a company called Edie Parker in 2010, and we focused on acrylic clutches and then later home accessories. And then in 2019, we launched Flower by Edie Parker, which we like to call a line of colorful collectibles for friends in high places. Um, We're the first uh, brand to merge fully the worlds of fashion and cannabis. Um, And we focus on really sort of like considered playful collectible cannabis accessories and also cannabis flower in select states.
1: Yeah, so, so, you know, walk me back to your experience in, in the fashion world. Um, you know, how, how long were you in it before you decided to start your own company in, in 2012? And, and sort of, you know, what was the inflection point that made you realize you should go out on your own?
0: Well, I worked in fashion um, from 2002 to 2010, and I worked mostly at Gucci, and then a year and a half at Dolce & Gabbana. Um, and I worked in the PR department. And I covered um, at first just accessories and then uh, women's, uh, men's ready to wear and accessories. So I was the director of public relations by the time I left. Um, And Gucci had like, you know, the biggest, at the time we called it CSR program. We were UNICEF's biggest giving partner. So it was just a a great job and and I loved it. Um, But I had a baby um, and her name is Edie. That's who the, the brand is named after. And at that point, it just was very clear that if I, you know, I wanted to keep working, but I wanted to do something that was slightly more meaningful for me and, and gave me a little bit more autonomy. And so I used to joke that I made a human, how hard could a handbag be? Um, and I felt like just, you know, with my experience, there was, I saw there was a lot of sort of white space in the evening bag market. And so that's where we launched and focused. We were like really specific with these acrylic clutches that I collected my whole life from high school. And... Um, they were inspired by clutches that had been made in the 50s and 60s and this time in sort of post-World War II America where we were setting fashion trends globally and being really innovative with our materials and the use of plastics was a part of that innovation. So, um, yeah, that's how it started. So,
1: two follow-up there. Um, is that in relationship, E. Parker, to... Other, or sort of, I think there's also um, another person who's an artist that's named Edie Parker. Any sort of inspiration there for, for your daughter's name?
0: Uh, no, I really liked the name Edie. I just thought it was, you know, sort of um, not esoteric but unique. And Parker is a family name for my husband. So it's his middle name and his, uh, his mother's maiden name and his sibling's middle name. So that's where we came up with it. But I, I do think the name Edie is evocative of, you know, stylish Edie's throughout history. Um, like Edie uh, Bouvier Beale and Edie Sedgwick, Edie Parker Kerouac was the first wife of Jack Kerouac. But I honestly wasn't like a big Beat fan growing up, and I didn't even know who she was until I named my daughter. So, she was not she was not part of my inspiration. But she is a very talented writer on her own.
1: So, sounds like you're already planning to help your daughter out with some SEO there. <laughs>
0: i'm assuming that by the time she cares there will be you know new problems
1: <laughs> um and then you know given the inspirations from uh, the 50s and 60s are are you a big like marvelous mrs mazel fan then
0: i am a big marvelous mrs mazel fan i just think it's a really good show and really funny but yeah I, I do i mean the sets and the costumes and the apartments my god i lust over all of that
1: yeah i, I figured that was given given that that's your inspiration for, for the handbags um, so yeah, let's, let's talk about you know Flower by Edie Parker um, since that's relevant to the audience here. So you launched that in 2018, you know, sort of why was that the right time? You know why not sooner, why not later? Um, and what really was, was driving that?
0: It really started as an expansion of our home collection. We had launched uh, home accessories in 2016, mostly because we had these you know, box clutches. and when we would go to trunk shows or do pas in stores, people would always say, oh, I love my bag so much. When I'm not using it, I, I put it in my bathroom and use it for my, you know, my Q-tips and my cotton. Um, or they would say, I put it on my shelf. They were such display items that we figured at some point, all right, well, you don't have to use your handbag. We'll make you a box. We'll make you a tray. We'll make you some posters. And that um, side of the business was successful. And we were thinking about ways to expand into new categories. And I certainly like to to play in spaces where I don't feel like they're so oversaturated. So the idea, like it might've been natural for us to, you know, go into shoes or to ready to wear but that was not interesting for me. And I have certainly no talent at it that I'm aware of. Um, And so the use of cannabis and cannabis accessories kept coming up. I mean, we were really excited internally about what was happening in, in cannabis in the country and just the conversations that were happening around cannabis. And we felt like for us being cannabis users, um, there wasn't really anything at an accessory level that was appealing that maybe you'd want to bring to your friend as a hostess gift instead of, instead of a bottle of wine or that you'd want to give to your sister uh, for a present and just collect yourself. You know, everything had been either felt like it, you bought it on University Place or it was like really masculine or medicinal or something you'd want to hide away in a drawer. So we started thinking about accessories that looked like Edie Parker accessories as they related to cannabis. And then in our research, like going to dispensaries in California mostly, um, it sort of became clear that there were no brands that spoke to us either. So no brands that I thought really spoke to women in a credible way that felt sort of playful and fun and just, you know, like unabashedly for people who liked smoking cannabis, it wasn't like a necessarily a health and wellness play. It was just people who like to get high and, and, and really just for a good time, which we ended up using as our, uh, Product tagline.
1: For for me, one of the uh, recognition points for, for E. Barker is I'm, I'm actually a really big Casey Musgrave fan. And you get that collaboration, and you know, I've seen stories of her posting products. Um, so was that also kind of inspired by by your network who you might have been driven from you know the, the handbag side even?
0: Well, I think it we were just really lucky because we've been in business when we launched for you know nine years already. And We make a really good high-quality product. So we have these really legitimate relationships with stylists and celebrities. um, And I guess, you know, I don't love this word, but tastemakers for lack of a better word. And so Casey was somebody who wore our bags. We knew her stylists. She pulled our bags a lot. She bought stuff for us. She gifted stuff from us. Um, And so when we launched Flower, she was so excited because we were a brand that meant something to her already. She trusted us, she trusted the quality of our products. So um, you know, it's this really sort of legitimate and authentic relationship we have with people. We're not just like new on the scene for a couple of years and, and just paying celebrities to endorse our products. So in the case of Casey, there's a really like the brand synergies are very obvious. Our tastes are very similar and overlapping. She actually hosted a party for us in December, uh, 19, when we launched our pre-rolls before we all had to shut down. Um, and she's just a great, um, representative of all things that we think are like great, fun for a good time cannabis users, just unabashed, loves it and and loves to promote it. So are there other,
1: it sounds like she's one of the biggest advocates. who's, you know, kind of
0: in that category that
1: you mentioned, celebrities, tastemakers. Um, are there others like that that's been helping the business?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, we don't have any... Um, you know, official relationships with celebrities, but certainly we have a lot of people who are really excited about flour and who have bought flour, who, you know, we've, we've popped up at the flower products at events, but there are certainly, um, people like Chelsea Handler or Jenna Lyons or Laura Brown. We have this great t-shirt with two fried egg boobs and a smiley face that says, these are your boobs on drugs. And um, we love that. And we launched it at 15% of proceeds of that T-shirt always go to the Women's Prison Association, which is one of our biggest giving partners. So things like that, where when we were launching this T-shirt, we were able to reach out to a lot of people who we knew to say, hey, this is what we're doing, this is who we're supporting. And they thought it was really funny and they loved it. So they all supported it, they promoted it, they posted it. Um, so that kind of stuff is, is aided in the fact that we've kind of been around for a while.
1: Yeah, so, so on that point to dig a bit further, you know. I certainly wouldn't call you guys a celebrity brand because you're not, but you know it's great that celebrities are um, very motivated consumers of it. Um, but, but what are your thoughts broadly on being a, a celebrity brand in the cannabis space? And, and would you ever shift that way? Like, let's say if there's a collaboration that Casey Musgraves wants to do with a cannabis company, you know, ex Edie Parker, would you know that be something you would pursue? Or, or what are your thoughts on, on that generally?
0: Look, I mean, I know that those partnerships haven't been runaway successes for the most part. I mean, obviously, there are some exceptions, but I think a lot of like celebrity fronted brands are not are not incredible hits. But look, I think that all of these things are so helpful for destigmatization and normalization. And when you have celebrities who you love, who you didn't know were cannabis advocates, um, supporting the plant and just talking about all the benefits, I think all of that is just is really good for where we're going. I don't think that necessarily those are going to be the brands that like stand the test of time. But I think for now, they're really helpful. And certainly, you know, if Casey wanted to partner on a strain or something, we would we would love to work with her. Now,
1: going back to sort of the, the New York um, shop, um, you know, what, was that already there or was that sort of um, more recent and for Flower Value Barker?
0: When we launched Flower in 2019, we had a store on Madison Avenue and we kind of converted it to what we called like this really high-end head shop, which we thought was just so funny that we had this shop on Madison Avenue that sold handbags, but also like had all these rolling papers and pipes and, and ladies who had been shopping from us for years, like these uptown ladies would come in and (laughs) they were surprised, but like would buy things that were totally unexpected. Like we sold so many packs of rolling papers to women who had been buying expensive handbags for years. And- you know, it was really exciting and fun. But uh, we moved to Bond Street. We moved to 25 Bond right before the pandemic, December before the pandemic. And we were open for a couple of months and then shut down in March and didn't reopen. Um, but we found a space a couple of doors down that was actually quite big, a little bit bigger and sort of more dramatic and felt more us. So we signed a lease on that. We've been renovating it and we're opening uh, the middle of next week, actually. So we're very excited.
1: So, so this was around the same time in, in 2019 that the, the high-end shop that was inside Barney's was also sort of popping up, right? Yep. Was that, was that helpful, I assume, given you know, what you've said about sort of just normalizing things, I assume that's right, helpful to kind of, you know, educate people on spending more on Canvas accessories um, or, or more of a competitor in your view.
0: No, no. I I was thrilled that that was there. I mean, they, we sold in that shop in LA. Um, and I think it was great, but I think it was really specific, right? It was like very specific to what I would say a Barney's aesthetic was. It was really sleek. It was really like, you know, it was a lot of metals. Um, it was really, really expensive for the most part. And I think all of that is great. I mean, I think anything that shows a different side of cannabis is helpful, but, it certainly wasn't our aesthetic necessarily. You know, I think it was slightly intimidating whereas we try to be really playful and, and um, you know, surprise and delight. Like I think having the products in the high-end shop were, were more intimidating than our stuff is. But again, I think you know, um, net positive.
1: Yeah, I haven't kept up with that lately. Do you know how that's going? Is that still happening? Um, I haven't been in, inside you know, the, the high-end
0: recently. Yeah. I mean, you haven't because sadly Barney's closed. And so that went the way of Barney's closure, which is like so sad for all of us New Yorkers.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's funny looking at the, the old photos here now, um, it is a
0: very different aesthetic
1: versus versus yours, um, which which is interesting because, you know, I think one of the products they had from the Canvas side was Beeble, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a, a GTI acquisition. Um, mm-hmm. and you guys have a partnership with another MSO, which is Ascend Wellness Health or AWH. Um, Tell me more about how that sort of came about in terms of that partnership and and then taking to additional states.
0: Um, Look, I think Ascend is really kind of bullish on brands. I think they think that cannabis brands will be important and they will exist. So they reached out to us about launching um, in Massachusetts and Illinois to start. Um, and we did, and we we did activations with them. We popped up in Boston a couple of weeks ago. We were in Chicago and Southern Illinois last weekend, and they're really great partners. They have, you know, great access to flour, great retail locations, great management. Um, so we're really enjoying working with them and and they have great locations in New Jersey and in New York. So, you know, we're hoping to to continue working with them and to continue growing with them.
1: Yeah. So, so is that partnership then? exclusive for states that AWH might be operational in today and in the future, or does that preclude you from working with another MSO?
0: You know, it's funny, every state is different, as you know. So in places like Illinois, like we're in the Cresco doors, we're in the Sunnyside doors, just because of the way the regulations are in the state. I mean, it it doesn't, we wouldn't work with another MSO for flower necessarily. Um, But what's great about our business is that our accessories, um, we sell, we partner with Cresco for their Sunnyside doors in Illinois, where we're talking to GTI about uh, doing exclusive accessories for them. So I think Um, while flower, we're just working with Ascend for flower now in the states that we're in, I think just, there's a lot of opportunity for us to launch accessories with a lot of different partners. Look, we launched in California. California was our first state, but I think that California is like so tricky. Um, and certainly the California market, we were pretty naive about it. And that customer, I feel like by and large just wants the highest percentage of THC for the least amount of money. So I think we took a beat in California and are just trying to figure out how and when it makes sense for us to come back. And obviously, like, opening all these states is really capital intensive. And it's it takes a lot of manpower to do it well, right? You can't just like launch it and walk away. So when we, you know, being in Illinois, and Massachusetts, we really have to show up, we have to show up at the doors, we have to visit them, we have to do education with the tenders. So, um, of course, we want to go into more states. And I think there are certain states that make sense for us. And maybe certain states that don't necessarily make sense at the moment, like Florida, as an example, like, you know, when Florida's a rec state, like I think Florida would be amazing for us, but right now the way it is and the way the packaging compliance is and sort of how dull all the packaging has to be that's not a, that's not a, a really compelling place for us to be. Um, but again, like, you know, we're a New York based brand. So I am so focused on New York when that's an opportunity and New Jersey as it's in our backyard, maybe Connecticut, because, you know, we're tri-state girls, but, but we'll see, I think obviously we'd like to be everywhere. We want to be the female national cannabis brand. So just going slowly, we think it's a, certainly a marathon. We're still really early in the space. And, um, you know, the space is early and I mean, we're early, we've been at this actually now for three years and it's, you know, we've gotten our hands so dirty, um, but but we'll we'll see what makes sense next.
1: And is that just for the, the pre-roll brands or is that also the accessories in terms of that partnership and even sold at these stores?
0: No, the accessories, we, we work with lots of partners. And we also work with mainstream retailers like Urban Outfitters. You know, Urban Outfitters launched for the first time ever, like a little smoke shop uh, on their website and in some of their select doors. And so we sell some accessories. We can't sell all of our accessories just because of payment processor compliance issues. But we sell a bunch of accessories to mainstream retailers like Urban. And as I mentioned, like we have a great relationship with Cresco and their Sunnyside doors to sell accessories. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to grow in, in all kinds of states with the accessories.
1: In regards to funding, you know, the ADH press release mentioned that it's celebrity-backed, um, so just here's, you know, funding, uh, you know, how much of you can disclose, and then sort of is that for both companies or for, you know, the parent company, um, and it kind
0: of flows down to Flower as well. Got it. Um, I think that press release, I, I think they meant celebrity supported. We have no celebrity investors. Uh, right. Because it said
1: celebrity backed, which I, I was surprised to see that press release. So, okay, yeah. it good to
0: know. No, 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 just celebrity supported. Uh, no, you know, we've been privately funded since launch. Um, we've grown very slowly. We haven't had like tremendous pressure, you know, private equity growth or anything. So um, we have a single, not a single source of funding, but the, both companies are, are funded in the same way. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think at some point we'll get to a, a maybe an inflection point where we we'll really need to raise capital in a, in a meaningful way, but, but not at the moment. I think just, you know, look, we're, we're selling. So we've launched Illinois, we we've launched Massachusetts and we are selling pre-rolls and we're selling them well. So I think, you know, we're, we're continuing to grow slowly. And as I said, go into States that make sense for us, but if it, you know, if we are selling pre-rolls and it makes sense to really ramp up and, and get boots on the ground in all those places and just have more money to spend on marketing in those places to continue and fuel our growth, like that will make a lot of sense. And I think we'll know that in the next 12 months.
1: Yeah, certainly marketing, I think, to support the brands in these states um, not cheap. So it certainly makes sense to to raise money, you know, should you need additional states to continue to to raise money and, and you know, step on the, the gas, so to speak.
0: Yeah, and the restrictions are obviously so onerous and, and figuring all that out and like, you know, getting familiar with compliance for marketing and for packaging for that matter. in every different state is time consuming and capital intensive and, and packaging regulations from state to state have, you know, if you have to invest in different packaging and it's CR packaging, I mean, it's just so crazy. So just trying to be really smart and strategic about all those decisions.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, uh, complexities in the canvas business versus the handbag business, I'm sure. <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> um, and, and, you know, any sort of uh, stats or, or metrics of, of performance uh, in, in those two states, Illinois and Massachusetts?
0: Um, I could probably share some with you. I can follow up with you and share some with you if that's helpful. Not, not off the top of my head, that I can share.
1: Got it. Okay, well, well, how about this then? Um, in those two markets, you know, who are you really competing with for, consumer attentions. You mentioned California not being attractive because it's still a very high THC bank for your buck market, let's say. Um, So who are you competing with in those two markets?
0: Yeah. Well, look, in those two markets, I mean, we're just selling pre-rolls in those two markets for now. I think there's opportunity for us in the vape category. I think there's opportunity with edibles for us, but we're just pre-rolls. So I think we're just you know, we're, we're on the shelf with Lowell in those markets where we're still like, we're with the Ascend Ozone brand. So I think we're just competing with other pre-roll brands. But I think at a national level, we certainly look to brands like a pure beauty that we think does a great job with culture. And we look at Miss Grass because, you know, we, we love them and we think they also do a great job talking to women. So I think, you know, we look at nationally, we think nationally and who is speaking to the same audience that we are and how can we be, you know, differentiated.
1: Got it. That makes sense. And then what about on the accessory side? Any, any competitors that you view over there?
0: No, I don't think so. I mean, I think really like for accessories, I think we're totally distinguished. I think we look different than almost anything. I think the quality of our accessories is really strong. I think we just have a lot of legitimacy and experience in this space. And um, you know, we're going to continue to keep innovating. I think there's been, we feel like a lot of, you know, we've inspired a lot of people in the category, but we'll keep innovating and keep, you know, surprising people.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And and then, you know, do you feel that the familiarity of of consumers with the handbag business um, have led to sort of, you know, demand um, products for flour?
0: I think, I think it's been um, less than we thought. I mean, I think that Obviously some people, we have an established customer base in certain cities that is excited and excited to try flour because of Edie Parker handbags. I think there's been a lot of discovery where people who walk into a dispensary and they have no idea what our handbag brand is. Um, But I think they're delighted by the packaging, by the story, by sort of the ancillary stuff, the accessories. Um, And then obviously on our social media channels, like Flower and Edie Parker are different, but I think both like, you know, they speak to each other in a really fun way. And I think when people discover Flower and they visit it and then they find Edie Parker, I think it just, again, we like to surprise and delight people. We like to Be sort of irreverent and colorful and optimistic. So I think either they're excited about it because they knew it, or if they're discovering it, it makes them really happy and they're pleased and excited to sort of, you know, delve into this lifestyle that we offer. I think, unlike a lot of our competitors, we have a full lifestyle brand supporting these, the flower pre rolls and products. We think that Canada, you know, like we love this cannabis lifestyle and this for a good time lifestyle um, and these branded moments that we really, you know, we want you to show off, we want you to gift, we want you to be proud of.
1: And, and, you know, from what I can view, um, call it flowers about halfway there for Instagram followers, say it's one metric of the handbag products, you know, you have $149,000 for E. Parker and flowers, you know, $73,000. Um, any other sort of metrics off the top of your head that you know about, you know, sort of the brand's reach?
0: Um, no, I think we mostly just use Instagram, uh, to quantify that. And obviously we have a Facebook page and we have an email subscription, but nothing other than for social, really Instagram's our biggest. But we have, you know, I mean, we, we've been doing e-commerce for Edie Parker for a long time. So we have a much more established Edie Parker customer um, than we did when we launched our flower website. So kind of testing the waters on those customers, like how much are they willing to hear about cannabis? What do they want to learn about cannabis? Are they interested in cannabis? So, it, you know, we have a lot more people to, I guess, experiment with that have been established customers for a while.
1: Right. Because you're, you're basically, you have this like rich subscriber list for Edie Parker that you can just try to convert over to flower. And especially, you know, I'm sure you have data around where those subscribers are based, and if they're in a market like Illinois and Massachusetts, you can separate that out and try to push some of those customers of the handbags over to to the pre-rows and markets where they're available, right?
0: Definitely. And also, I think part of our hypothesis is we make these, certainly in the cannabis accessories, we make these items that are multi-use. So for example, our uh, fruit glass pipes, we have this oversized grape pipe, which is a fantastic pipe to smoke out of, but it's also if you don't care for smoking, but you're not against it, it's just a great item and object to display on a shelf, on a table. Um, we have a stash jar that's similar, like multicolored acrylic stash jar. Um, and so I think for the Ed Parker customer, as long as they're not against cannabis, which, you know, some people we have found they are, but very few, um, I think they're willing to sort of try these accessories and and maybe purchase something that they didn't know they were looking for, but they're pretty delighted by.
1: When do you think about going into Edwells and Bates and expanding you know, the, the product selection for flower?
0: So for vape hardware, we've already developed vape hardware. We did something, we had launched vapes in California, um, but uh, very candidly, like we had this hardware that was really disappointing to us. It was existing hardware and um, we sort of recolored it and and remade it for ourselves, but it wasn't the best and it wasn't rechargeable. So we spent a lot of time kind of developing this proprietary rechargeable pen and we're ready to go on it. So we're just figuring out when best to launch it and where. And then edibles, we have no plans to launch edibles, but I think that edibles could be something great to develop um, as New York is kind of figuring out what it's gonna look like. And I think that um, if we could launch in New York with, with pre-rolls and edibles and vapes, that would be really compelling.
1: And would you collaborate with someone today on, on those two categories, or would you just kind of pull it off um, and launch your own that you can control?
0: I think it depends. We're open to collaborations. We're very into collaboration over competition. And we also really are aware of what we're good at and we're not good at. Like we know we're not cultivators. We're not esoteric strain people. So if we can partner with people who are better than we are at that, then then we're all for it. And and
1: just going back to, you know, having your own proprietary hardware and vape side. um, You know, other people have have sort of done that and and some have failed. Um, It's a pretty big risk. So what, what was sort of the thinking on that?
0: You're absolutely right, which is why we haven't pressed go on it. We've developed it. We have it. We're ready to go. But we just have to make sure we have a place to put them. So that's exactly what we're weighing right now. What is, you know, where is the need? Where is the market that would be most receptive to this? Because it is like like, like everything we're making. It's a really branded pen. And it's really, um, it's something that you would want to show off, that you want to pull out of your purse. It's just like, it's a really beautiful object. So what is the market that, that makes the most sense in? And then we will press go.
1: It was a decision also hey we could do a pax pod we could do you know a Dart pod or you know there's AirGraph as well um was it thinking that you wanted to own the hardware instead of just doing the the pod model and you know if so what was the the rationale
0: yeah i think we wanted to we want to make again everything like where we sit and what we think is differentiated is just how branded the experience is in a really nice way so i think we felt like if we have something to say, like, why are we saying it? So having something that felt like you really wanted to display it and gift it was important to us. And that's why we focused on the hardware.
1: Got it. no, that makes total sense from sort of the, the MO of the company. Um, you know, last question I have for you is just, look, you, you've been in, in the business now of Canvas officially, at least for call it two and a half, you know, almost coming up on three years. What's been sort of your, your biggest learnings um, from, from being in Canvas?
0: Oh my god! Just how insane it is. Um, yeah, I mean, look, we have—we are not just over here like designing packaging, right? I mean, we've like bought and sold biomass, and we've done distribution, we've done last-mile delivery, we've like we—we've extracted oils. I mean, we've really tried a lot of stuff, and I think you know, just the biggest learning so far, you know, right now for us is how important it is to partner with people who are better at things than you are at, at the things that you're not good at, right? I mean, just what I was saying about working with Ascend on on flower distribution and just, you know, how good they are and 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 their great retail roca- locations and their management and, and their access to flower, like that is all stuff that we went at alone in California and it's just really, really complicated. Um, and just how important it is to be, you know, aware of compliance in different states as you try to grow because things that are really shocking really like in terms of packaging, like colors that are compliant in, in some states versus other states, just it, you can't even imagine some of the rules that exist. And, and for the most part, you know, you find out when it's too late when you've already made all these investments. I mean, we've gotten smarter about that, but I think that's a lot of people's experience. So I think, you know, if, you, if you're going to go at it, just really trying to get as much information as you can up front. So, so on that point,
1: actually, who, who do you guys use for help on a compliance state? Do you have someone in-house? Is that a law firm? Who do you use? We that? work with, sure. yeah.
0: We work with a law firm and then we work with local law firms as we go into different states, because obviously, as I said, the regs are so different from state to state. So we need people who are experts in their own states.
1: Right. No, totally agree. Um, As someone who's been inside of, you know, two or I guess one MSO, one single state operator uh, in in a pretty beefed up compliance team, totally understand uh, how important that is. So, you know, glad you guys are, are definitely going into markets with that understanding and making sure that everything is, you know, tightened up and and making sure things can launch on time. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm excited to see the brand in in more markets. Um, You know, certainly excited for the renovation in in Soho to be open. Certainly we'll check out next time I'm there. Um, You know, and of course, uh, Illinois, um, check out that market a few months and and pick up the pre-rolls. So really excited. I think what you've built is, is beautiful. Um, and excited to just see it have a, a bigger reach. So thanks so much, Brett, for, for joining and, and telling us more about the story and the, the products.
0: Well, thank you so much. Those were such nice things to say. I really appreciate it. And I so appreciate your having me on. And, and it was so nice to talk to you.
1: Thanks. Have a great one.
0: You too. Thank you.